This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Welcome, everybody. I, oh man, I've been floating today, I, which is good because my legs are killing me from serving all morning. So I've just, but I've been floating around on cloud nine. We had over 230 of us gathered together this morning to worship, to take communion, and then to go out and serve in our city. What an incredible thing. It was, it was amazing. It was fantastic. I stopped by Orchard partway through because we had to pick up some masks for my group because there was some fungus stuff in the air. And uh, she said, well, you doing some home improvement? I said, no, I'm part of a church and we're out just loving people because God loves people and we're just serving all over the city. And she said, wow, that is really incredible. I said, yeah, I'm part of an amazing community who loves Jesus, who's serving him. And so it was so fun. So fun to be with you. So glad to see a lot of you guys back. And here we are experiencing all that God has for us tonight as we talk about servolutionary prayer. But before I get into that, I want to highlight a few things. When you came in, you should have gotten a program that looks just exactly like this program. Inside of it's a yellow card. It says start here on one side. At some point throughout this evening, you're going to want to fill this card out uh, and put your prayer requests on here. Any ways we can connect with you on here, help you connect to the church, help you connect with God. This is our way to stay connected with you and our way to help you connect with God. So make sure to fill that out at some point. I'm going to give you some ways to apply today's teaching on this card too. So make sure you have your name on there if you're a regular part of New Life. If you're new to New Life, we ask that you would give us as much information as you're comfortable with. Uh, and this is why we assume that you're here because you want to connect. You have some questions you want to engage, and we simply want to connect with you and help you connect with God. So go ahead and fill out as much information as you're comfortable with if you're new with us. Uh, and we actually have a gift for you because God loves you and we love you. And so we just want to celebrate that you came to be with us today. So uh, in, the, uh, in the lobby, when you go out, there's going to be a bag that says guest gift bag. That's for you if it's your first time here with us this evening. Uh, also, I just want to let you know that as time goes on, we're kind of free-flowing this whole night service thing. So fill out that card. You're going to also, if you came prepared to give your tithes and your offerings tonight to give back to what God is doing, you can go ahead and use the envelope inside your program. Drop your tithes and offerings right inside of there. And then your Connect card and your tithe are going to go in what Ron affectionately called last week the overgrown um, plant containers back in the back of the auditorium. There's those silver things back there. They are not trash cans. So uh, don't go. If you see some money in there, it's not your lucky day. Okay, that's God's money. Okay, this is not a trash can. Uh, that is where we're collecting our offering. We're dropping our Connect card. So everybody should be dropping those in because everybody is at least filling out their Connect card and showing us how we can connect with you. Inside your programs, you will also find some teaching notes. If you're a note taker, if you like to look back on this stuff, if you just like to doodle and draw while people talk because it helps you connect more, go ahead and pull out those teaching notes and you can uh, fill them in as the evening goes on. But we are talking about prayer, so why don't I stop talking and start praying? Let's pray. Lord, tonight and every day, we want what you want more than we want what we want. So, Lord, tonight, would you show us why that's true? Amen. 
I don't know about you, and I know I think some of you are like me. In my early 20s, I thought I knew everything about pretty much everything. Uh, just out of college, went into ministry, thought, man, if people would just do ministry the way I think they should do ministry, the church would completely turn around. I was that guy. And I realized as time went on, uh, especially about the time I turned 24, man, I don't know very much about very much at all. I'm a joker. I need to start learning and listening to what God wants to show me about life and love and ministry and this journey. And I realized at age 24 that I don't know a whole lot about prayer. Now, you have to understand, I'd been in ministry for two full years at this point, assuming I knew a lot about prayer. I had prayed a lot. I'd talked a lot. But I didn't know what I didn't know until I got invited to pray at a conference. And here's how this went down. We were going to be praying for nine days at the top of a hotel for a conference that was going on downstairs. Get this, for 10 hours a day, we would be praying. Now, I'd never prayed for even one hour let alone 10 hours, unless you count falling asleep at night praying and waking up in the morning praying, in which case I was praying for like 9 or 10 hours every night. Pretty incredible. So I, I don't know how I had no business being part of this. The leader of this prayer team was a woman in her mid to late 70s. She had been a missionary uh, in Colombia for a number of years. She was leading this team. She was this incredible woman, but she was friends with one of my mentor's wives. And so my mentor's wife got me into this thing. And here I am, this 24-year-old kid, uh, honored to be there, proud to be there, a bit skeptical about what someone actually does for nine hours a day in prayer, because I only have so much to say, believe it or not. I do run out of things to say at some point. Um, but I, I, knew, I knew that it was the right place for me to be. A little cherry on the top was that there was this really, really cute 20-somethings named Maria Slevin who happened to live in the town where I was going to pray, and I made that girl my wife. And uh, So prayer works, the end. Uh, come back next week come back next week. No, uh, I learned a ton about prayer that first day. That first day. Here's what I learned. I learned that these mostly women with a few men sprinkled in, they knew God deeper than I knew God. They knew him like I knew him. And again, I had been in paid ministry for a couple years at this point. I, I, uh, God found me when I was about 17. Well, I shouldn't say he found me. He knew where I was the whole time. I just responded to him. And so I'd been following God for a number of years at this point. But these people, they knew God in a deeper, more intimate, just more passionate, life-changing way than I did. And I realized that, man, just getting into their presence as we started to pray. I realized that these people prayed prayers that were bigger than any prayer I had ever prayed. They weren't praying. I don't think one time in that 90 hours of prayer, I don't think one time we prayed for anybody's aunt Susie's cousin's sister's dog. You know, that, those aren't bad prayers, but they were praying big prayers. Prayers for cities, prayers for states, prayers for countries, prayers that the people who were downstairs in this conference would go back to college campuses and would transform the entire campus. They were praying big, bold, audacious prayers to a big, bold God that they seemed to know more incredibly intimately than I knew him. And that led me to my third realization. I need to learn how to pray. I need to learn how to pray. Have you ever felt like you dialed up God in prayer and he wasn't picking up the phone? Have you ever felt like you were cooking something, but God just wasn't eating it? You were throwing something, you were throwing a prayer out, but God wasn't catching it? Uh, have you ever felt like that? Like you were in a big room and you started to pray and you wondered, is anybody out there? 
I'm praying, I'm talking, I feel a little bit foolish because is anybody even listening? Have you ever prayed and wondered, why isn't God answering? Why isn't he answering the way that I think he should answer? Maybe like me, you need to learn how to pray. And I'm going to offend some people today. I'm going to step on some toes today, but hopefully I'm going to draw us close to God today so we can experience a deeper level of prayer than we ever have. Maybe like me, you spend way too much time praying for the wrong stuff, or at very least praying for little stuff to a big God. Maybe like me, tonight's the night that God wants to show you something new. See, his disciples went to Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. One day Jesus was praying Uh, And as he finished praying, his disciples came up, and they were these Jewish guys, and they said to us, "Uh, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Teach us how to pray. And they should have known how to pray. So this was an odd request. These were Jewish men who grew up from the time they could talk. They were praying. If you were praying with these guys, they were mm mm-hmm and amen and at the right time. If you were in a prayer circle, they were squeezing your hands at just the right time. I mean, they knew how to pray, and yet they saw Jesus pray, and there was something different there. He connected with God in a deeper way than they connected with God. And so these Jewish men who had been taught how to pray from the time they could crawl said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because when you pray, God's on the other end of the line. And when we pray, it feels like a wrong number. So Lord, teach us how to pray to pray. And this is where we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus starts off by saying, all right, I will teach you how to pray, but first off, let me teach you how not to pray. Don't pray like this. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand up and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, When you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And these hypocrites that Jesus is talking about are the Jewish leaders of the day, the religious leaders. And they were really, really good prayers. I mean, prayer was uh, both an art and a science for them. Their prayers were long. Their prayers were poetic. Their prayers were beautiful. Their prayers went on and on and on. And he says, don't pray like them. They're just praying to get the attention of the people. And some of you are saying, please, pastor, don't pray like them because I want to eat dinner sometime tonight. Uh, These guys just prayed and prayed so that they would get the attention of the people they prayed kind of like this guy in this video from a NASCAR race not that long ago. This is a, a true Heavenly video. Father, we thank you tonight for all your blessings. You said in all things give thanks. So we want to thank you tonight for these mighty machines that you brought before us. Thank you for the Dodges and the Toyotas. Thank you for the Fords. And most of all, we thank you for Roush and Yates partnering to give us the power that we see before us tonight. Thank you for GM Performance Technology and the R07 engines. Thank you for Sunoco Racing Fuel and Goodyear tires that bring performance and power to the track. Lord, I want to thank you for my smoking hot wife tonight, Lisa. My two children, Eli and Emma, or as we like to call them, the little E's. Lord, I pray you bless the drivers and use them tonight. May they put on a performance worthy of this great track. In Jesus' name, boogity, 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 amen. 
All right, that is a funny prayer. I mean, that's funny. I laughed out loud in my office when I saw that prayer. That is a funny prayer. But that's all that prayer is. I like that prayer. I like that guy. I'd want to go hang out with him. He's funny. But that's not a prayer that God hears. He prayed to get the attention of the people. I'm not putting him down. That was a funny, oh my gosh, I laughed and laughed. I even thought about recreating that. I thought, no, 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 it's not a good idea. But I do have a smoking hot wife. But Jesus says when you pray, don't, don't pray like that. Don't pray for the attention of the people because you'll get the attention of people. They'll think you're funny. They'll think you're engaging. But that's all you'll get. Instead, go into secret. And this is what he says. And your dad, your father, your God, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Let's pause there for a second. If that sinks from our ears into our heart, that's probably enough reason for us to pray. Go and pray in secret, and your Father who sees what's done in secret will see your prayers and reward you. Now just think about this for a second. When you go off and pray by yourself, God, the creator of all things, the one who gives you breath, who sustains your life, the one who was here before the earth began and will be here once it ends, he stops and sees you praying. And somehow he rewards you for that. Now we could just close up shop right now because in my opinion, that's enough reason to pray. Now, Jesus isn't saying it's bad to pray out loud. In fact, his disciples somehow knew he was praying, so either he was praying out loud or he was doing something that made them think he was praying. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying if the only time you pray is out loud at your small group or before dinner, is that even really worth it? Instead, let's get alone with God every day because our Father who sees what is done in secret rewards us and he sees us. He goes on to say in verse 7, and when you're praying, don't use meaningless repetition like the Gentiles, the non-Jews, kind of the whole rest of the world, like they do. They suppose that they'll be heard for their many words. And see, what Jesus is saying here is uh, the rest of the world believed that their gods were distant, were far from them, were disengaged. They believed their gods were, were sleeping on the job. So what they would do is they would work themselves into a frenzy. They'd talk and talk. They'd yell to their God. They'd repeat their prayers over and over again because they were afraid. Listen, God's asleep. I'm his alarm clock. If I don't wake him up to what I need, He's going to forget about me, and he's going to miss me, and I don't want that. So they whip themselves into a frenzy. Sometimes they would hurt themselves just to get their God's attention. And Jesus says, so don't be like them. And here's why. Because your father knows what you need before you ask him. See, the rest of the world believed that their gods were far away, but the reality is that our God is close. He sees us when we pray in secret. He knows us. And if we're really going to get serious about prayer, prayer that changes not just our lives, but our community and our world, we have to know a few things from the start. God is close. He knows what we need, and he wants to meet our needs. So don't pray to get recognized, and don't assume that God is distant and disinterested. Instead, verse 9 says, instead pray in this way. And we're about to get into a prayer that some of you learned as a punishment. When you sin, pray this prayer five times, and you won't be in trouble anymore. 
memorize this prayer and say it at parties so that people know that you're in the in crowd. But that's not what Jesus gave us this prayer for. He said, instead, when you pray, pray like this. It's a teaching on prayer. It's a training on how to pray. He says, you want to know how to pray? Pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed or holy or set apart, be your name. Stop. Stop. If you're like me, we run past that. We sit down for 30 seconds before our food gets cold and say, Jesus, you're so good and you're so big. Thank you for my food. Amen. But Jesus says when we start to pray, we need to stop right there and remember who we're praying to. This is the God who there was nothing, nothing at all. And he spoke and bam, something came into being and he began to speak. And there was day and there was night and there was ocean and land. And there were these animals that came up out of the water. And then at the height of it, he said, I'm going to create man in my image. And he created us and he breathed into us and we had life and he breathes life even today. He's big and vast and holy. And at the same time, He invites us to call him Father because he loves us and he cares about us and he wants to be intimate with us. He's trustworthy and he's good and he's kind. He wants us to curl up in his lap and say, Daddy, this is what's going on with me today. When we pray, we need to recognize who we are praying to and never lose sight of it. Verse 10, this is what we pray. Our Father who is in heaven, your name is holy. Would your kingdom come and would your will be done on earth even as it is in heaven? And here's why we need to stop with the who God is and then who we are in relationship to him. He's the creator. We are the created. He's big and vast and was before there was time and he will be after time ceases to exist. And we have this little bitty time, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, right? in the middle. And so we need to remember who he is because I don't know about you, but I like to build up my own little kingdoms. And so if I'm not careful, I pray my kingdom come and my will be done. I want what I want more than I want what he wants. And so Jesus says, when we pray, we need to remember who we're praying to. This is God. This is God. And we need to pray your kingdom come. For me, I remember as a little kid, it played out like this. I played Little League growing up, and about the time I started to notice girls, my prayers would turn to something like this, uh, playing second base. Lord Jesus, uh, I know you're here. Would you help us to win this game? It's the end of the game. And, uh, you know, see that girl standing in the bleacher? She's kind of been eyeballing me all day. Um, and so if you could, like, have the person hit a real soft ground ball, just a soft one, because I'm not very good, just a real soft ground ball to my glove, and I could throw to first base and get them out, and then maybe she could notice me, and I promise I'll be real spiritual, Lord, you know, like, we'll go off in twos when the sun goes down, and, and we'll pray together, just the two of us, and we might even speak in tongues, you know, like, we'll just, we'll have this real intimate, you know, I'll be real spiritual, Lord. Um, you ever pray like that? I know some of you did when dances came around. I know some of you did in your sporting games. And we grew up, didn't we? We grew up, but our prayers didn't grow up. Now we pray things like, God, get me into the right school. God, help me find the right man or woman for me. God, would you help me to have 2.5 kids? Would you help them to be good kids, not like I was when I was a kid? God, just, you know, would you give me a good job and make this much money in the right house? God, give me, 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 my, my, my. I want my kingdom. God, give me my kingdom. Please give it to me now. Come on, please, 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 God. 
And that's a common theme, but prayer is not about twisting God's arm. Remember, we just learned that our, our Heavenly Father sees us when we pray, and He knows what we need before we ask Him, and He wants to give us good things. So prayer is not about backing God into some kind of corner and twisting His arm to get what we want. Prayer is about lining my will up with God's will until I can say, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my kingdom, not my will. For some of us, we need to get down on our knees until we get that straight. And we might be praying for a long time. You might have a conference experience like me, nine hours a day, just to get to that part where I can say, you are God and I am not, so I want what you want more than I want what I want. And I'm not going to try to convince you, God, of what I need because you already know what I need. God, you know I'm out of a job. You know it's putting strain on my family. You know it's putting strain on my marriage. So I'm not going to beg you, coerce you, convince you to give me a job because you know what I need and you want to bless me. Instead, God, help me to be content. Help me to find a job. And when I'm in that job, would you help me to work for your glory and your kingdom? Would you use me to draw every single person at that job to you? Because that's in line with what you want. Our goal is not to get a car, clothes, 401k, perfect wife, perfect kids, perfect life. Our goal is to want what God wants, to surrender our will to God's will. That's the kind of prayer, and I said this on Facebook last week, that's the kind of prayer that God always answers. God, would your kingdom come? Would your will be done? That's the kind of prayer that God always answers. And we can't move on to the me part of the prayer, which is next, until we get the he part of the prayer right. Who is God? And what does he want? And God, line my will up with your will. And then we can pray, like verse 11 says, and would you give us this day our daily bread? And this goes back to when God's people had been freed from slavery for some 400 years in Egypt. They fled from Egypt, and God provided this stuff called manna, uh, which was this bread-like substance that kind of came down every morning. And here was the rule for manna. You only take enough for the day. Only enough for the day. If you take more, it's going to go bad. So don't do it. Just take enough for the day and trust that God will provide for you tomorrow. It's their daily bread. See, when we pray, we can ask God to meet our needs, but we need to be real careful. We're not just asking for a bunch of wants because the Bible never promises that he'll meet our wants, but it does say that he wants to meet our needs and he might meet them in some interesting ways. My wife recently has been praying, God, I need patience. I don't think she does. I think she's a saint. But she said, I need patience. And so uh, I joke with her regularly that God gave her me as an answer to that prayer. And the other day she was mad at me and I cracked a joke and I got her to laugh, which I knew was always a good thing. So she can laugh. It's hard for her to stay mad. And I said, hey, thank goodness that God gave uh, me to you. What a gift I am to you. You're welcome. (laughs) Praise the Lord. He doesn't always answer our prayers in the way we expect him to. That's all I'm saying. He doesn't always, but you pray. Pray for patience. He'll give you patience by giving you a kid who needs to grow your patience or a husband who acts like a kid. Or how about this? God, I need provision. I'm $500 short each month on my mortgage or my rent. I need provision. Maybe God wants to provide for you by having you cut your cable, cut your internet, cut your cell phone, cut your vacation. Oh, look, there's $500 a month. God just provided for you. Wow, praise the Lord. He always meets our needs, just not always in the way we think he's going to meet our needs. I, I don't, can't tell you how many times people come in. They say, Kevin, I need some money. I'm not making it. And I say, well, do you have cable? Well, yeah, I got, of course I got cable. I'm out of work. What am I going to do if I don't have cable? <laughs> and I was like, I, uh, he wants to meet our needs. 
But we got to figure out what our needs are. He goes on in verse 12 to say, and forgive us our debts or our sins as we forgive the people who sin against us. We forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation. But Lord, would you deliver us from evil or somebody will say from the evil one, from the enemy, from Satan. So when we pray, we need to recognize that this is a reciprocal thing. By the way, Jesus goes on after this prayer to say, listen, if you forgive others of their sins against you, your sins will be forgiven. But if you don't, neither will your father forgive you. And we can try to play mental gymnastics all around that. Well, he meant this, he meant that, I don't know. Listen, there's some of us in here tonight who we have not forgiven. And I want to ask you, how many days or weeks or months are you going to live with that lack of forgiveness that is holding you in slavery? He wants you to forgive not for them. He wants you to forgive for you. Some of us need to go home tonight and we need to get on our knees We need to say, God, would you forgive me of the things I've done against you? And I'm not going to get up from here until I've forgiven every single person who has sinned against me. And I mean really forgive them because I'm tired of them holding power in my life. And you know what, God? I know I don't deserve your forgiveness. There's nothing in me that deserves a perfect God's forgiveness, but you forgave me, and in light of you forgiving me, I'm going to live in a new reality where I forgive them even though they don't deserve my forgiveness. They did not ask for my forgiveness. They don't even want my forgiveness, but God, I'm going to forgive them because I'm tired of being locked in slavery, and I won't do it anymore. When you pray, pray our Father in heaven, holy holy, holy is your name. I want your kingdom more than I want my kingdom. I need you to provide for me my needs. And Lord, as you've forgiven me, and I'm so thankful for that, I'm not going to go one more day without forgiving them. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I debated whether or not to say this, and I'm going to say it. Take it with grace. My wife just said, "Uh uh-oh. If you are sinning, and you know you are doing it, and you want to do it anyway, don't waste your time praying. Because you're praying to a holy God, a big God, incredible God who can free you from your sins and forgive you. But when we come before that God, we need to say, in light of who you are, I don't want to live with this sin anymore. And I'm not talking about struggling with sin, wrestling with sin. I'm talking about, I know that's wrong, and I don't want to stop, so I'm going to do it anyway. That's the attitude I'm talking about. Not the person that says, I want to stop, but like Paul says in the Bible, he says, the things that I don't want to do, I just keep on doing. I'm not talking about that because Paul wanted to stop. He was trying to stop. He needed God's help to stop. I'm talking about those of us who say, you know what? I know that's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway, and I don't care what anybody says about it. Don't waste your time praying until you're ready for God to do the work in your heart to change you. And then pray, God, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Give me the strength to break this addiction, this habit, this hurt, this hang-up, so that I can live for your kingdom and your glory. Can you imagine what would happen if we started to pray like that? 
God, you are big and awesome. And for some reason, even though I'm only here for a speck in the history of this world, whenever I stop and pray, you see me and you honor that and you bless me. So I want to surrender my will to yours. I want your kingdom to come and I want to glorify you. So would you help me to not sin anymore because I know that doesn't bring glory to your name. Would you help me to forgive other people because I know that doesn't bring glory to your name. Would you help me to meet my basic needs and then to give the rest for your kingdom and your purposes? Because I want what you want more than I want what I want. That's the kind of prayer that God will answer every single time. I believe we'd see God moving in our lives, answering prayers, doing miracles like never before if we started to pray like that. So the question tonight is, will you pray like that? Will you spend time every day, not just at dinner, not just on Sundays, not just at your small group, every day with God, praying to God, remembering who he is searching the Bible to figure out what he wants for your life and then living in light of that. Will you ask for forgiveness for your sins and will you forgive other people so that you don't have to be locked in slavery anymore? My prayer is that something in this night, the worship, this talk, something grabs you and you experience God in a new way a deeper way, a more intimate way, so you can be like my friends in that prayer room that night and like I have come to know God as the God who is big and powerful and real and here and loves to answer prayers and allows me to call him Daddy. For those of you who say, but if I pray like that, then what about me? Jesus has these words for you at the very end of the same chapter. He says, Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? Where will we live? What about my retirement? For the Gentiles, the people who don't know God, they worry about those things. They seek after those things. They strive for those things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Everything we spend so much time praying about and worrying about and asking God about and begging him, please, 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 and twisting his arm, would you give me that? Jesus says, if we just would seek first his kingdom, he'd take care of all of it. That's his promise to us. Because he knows and he cares and he'll work on behalf of those who are living out this kingdom that he called us to be part of. And there's one other prayer that God always answers, and it's a prayer of recommitment or commitment to him. It's a prayer of the person that has never entered into a relationship with Jesus that says, you know what? I want that. I want to know that the creator of the universe hears me when I pray and allows me to call him dad. I want my sins forgiven. That prayer he answers every single time too. And if you've never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, 
not your husbands, not your wives, not your kids, not your parents, your own personal relationship with God where he's your heavenly father who calls the shots. I'm gonna give you a chance to do that right now. If you sense God stirring in you, calling you, drawing you to himself, you can pray a simple prayer and I guarantee he will hear it and he will answer it and he will pull you to himself and if you follow after him, he will give you a life like you've never imagined. Because let's be honest, our kingdom is too small a thing for us to live for. We need to live for his kingdom, his purposes, his plan. If you're here tonight and at one point you were walking with God, but you've just walked away from him, you said, forget about you. And I'm not talking about you just struggling right now, but I mean walked away from God. And I believe tonight he's calling you back to himself. He's drawing you in. He's, he's pleading with you, come back to me, enter into a relationship that you know I have for you, that you know I want for you. God could not love you more than he does right now. He wants to share life with you. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. So if you sense God calling you right now, you can pray this prayer. I'm going to pray for our whole group for a minute, and then I'm just going to pray specifically for you, and I'll tell you when. And you can repeat this prayer after me where you're sitting. You can whisper it out loud. You can say it in your heart. You can pray a prayer of commitment, and God will hear, and he will respond. So let's all pray together. Holy Spirit, would you take the things uh, that you have shown us, would you take your word that you've given to us, and would you plant it deep in our hearts in a way that changes our lives? Would you help us to be men and women who can stand before you and say, God, I want what you want more than I want what I want, because what I want, my kingdom, is too small a thing for me to live for anymore. Lord, as we pray that prayer, would you draw us into a deeper intimacy with you than we've ever known? And would you show us how to live with you and for you? And Holy Spirit, would you give us the power and the strength to do that? And if you're here tonight, and as I was talking about that prayer of commitment, God just started to stir in you to call you to himself. You can pray this simple prayer, inviting God to lead you. So if you sense God calling you, you can just repeat these words after me. You can say, Lord Jesus, I want to follow after you. And I know you died on a cross and rose again to forgive me of my sins so that I could enter into an incredible relationship with you. And tonight I say yes. Yes, I want this life that you offer. Yes, I want what you want more than I want what I want. Most importantly, yes, I want you. I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to experience life with you. So Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me now and lead me on this journey. And wherever you lead, I'm going to follow. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.